Welcome to the Sooner or Later podcast, part of the Unfair Sports Network. We appreciate you pulling up um, wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to, as well as checking us out here on YouTube. While you're here, go ahead and hit that like, subscribe, and the bell notification. And if you're listening, rate us, review us, and give us five stars. I think we deserve it. Give us five anyway and gift it. So on today's episode of the Sooner or Later podcast, me and Coop's going to dive into the Sooners in the Super Bowl and how they performed um, and our thoughts behind that. We're going to talk about OU schedule. I'm going to actually give you predictions on which games we think is going to win and who we uh, we think we're going to lose if we lose any games. OU and Texas head to the SEC a little bit early as well as wrapping things up on some 2024 recruiting news. What little names we're hearing, what information is flying out of the uh the stratosphere so coop what's going on man how's it going hey listen uh today is officially the end of football season and uh, now it is uh speculation uh if you're in the nfl everybody even my broncos have a uh, have hope in the future and uh everybody is undefeated in the college football ranks and so everybody's got um you know delusions of grandeur uh sparkling and twinkling in their eyes yeah, yeah, we're at that time of the year where, where everybody believes they have a chance of actually doing something we know in all actuality. We really don't. <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, but it's a good time, though, man. That optimism is good. It's it's, it's what keeps the blood boiling for uh, fans, you know? It's the only reason why we survive, right? Um, yeah, 100%. Even though I know a lot of fans are really pessimistic, which is kind of fascinating that the optimism is what keeps us going, but we're still quite pessimistic, so... Anywho, but outside of that, man, Super Bowl. We're going to jump and start off with that. Uh, I, of course, wrote it, recorded a pod just talking about Super Bowl itself. Um, you can find that, you know, on the Unfair Sports Network. But, cool, man, looking at the performance, honestly, by the Sooners that were actually out there, we had a lot of OU players playing in the Super Bowl this year, which, got to say, it's a testament to uh, what, what this school has done, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the graphics were going out at the early in the playoffs about uh, how many from each uh, college were in the playoffs, and it looks like uh, NFC Championship it really blew up, you know, because OU was you know the the most well represented, and then uh, you know you saw on Sunday nights, um, you know, we're doing this on Monday, so last night, um, you, you know, my key to the game was Philly's defensive line going against uh, the Chiefs' offensive line. And I said, they're going to have to keep Mahomes up. And because, you know, Mahomes is going to go Mahomes and he's going to scramble. He's going to step up in the pocket. And, uh, you know, Zeus Orlando Brown um, has a tweet out today and it says, uh, you know, zero sacks given up. Put that shit on a uh, on a T-shirt. And, uh, <laughs> and they, kept him, they kept him clean. The only time that he got hit was you know, kind of going into halftime and uh, he stepped up in the pocket and took off and somebody kind of you know, fell on the ankle, rolled over on the ankle. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, with Creed and Zeus uh, up there on the offensive line, um, and if you listen to any sports updates on anything, uh, you get to hear uh, James Winchester's name mentioned, you know, for the game-winning field goal. And uh, so it's good. Now, uh, you know, if that penalty doesn't happen and, and Philly gets the ball, you got the, uh, the runner-up in Jalen Hurts taking the ball with some significant time left to go see what they could do. And I think everybody, I think we deserved overtime of Super Bowl overtime because it was just a good game. And yeah, I think, 
I think that if Jalen Hurts has the time to come back and lead a lead a touchdown, um, you know, touchdown drive, he's the MVP. Um, so you, you know, you can't you, you got to say this. I mean, they, they, the time ran short, um, and uh, unlike the last time we saw the Sooners in the uh, playoffs, you know, it it, it was a co- extremely competitive, and nobody really fell short of the uh, of the mark or the uh, predictions uh, when it comes to the Sooners, at least. Yeah, no, it was a fun game overall. It's probably one of the better games we've had in the last yeah. last 10 years. Um, easily in the top three in the last 10, probably 20 years. I mean, most of them are not. We haven't had a – I'd say about 50% of them are close and score where it's coming to the end. You know, yeah. I think about that Ravens and the, the 49ers game. I think about that uh, – even that Rams and Bengals game was, was not bad. It just was not that great. But it was close, really? so it was still one of those yeah. that that was that needed to have uh, uh, one. Somebody had to go out there and win, of course. But it was more so; it wasn't just exciting. Like this game was exciting. It was a back and forth, and you know, looking at it, let's look at some of the players that, of course, represented Oklahoma out there. So you know, of course, OU decided to put out some billboards in celebration of the players we had out there. So of course, you got Big Zeus, Orlando Brown. You got uh, Blake Bale, who's still on the Chiefs roster. You got Creed Humphreys, who's one of the best, if not the best center in the NFL right now. Yeah. And then you said Jay Winchester was another one that got some love. And, you and you know, soon as put out billboards in each city. You know, you get to your Kansas City players, and then you saw your Phillies. Your Philly guys, you got your Jalen Hurts, which shout out to both OU and Alabama for going ahead and deciding to have joint custody of Jalen Hurts. You saw the roll Sooners and the the Boomer Tide going around, which was pretty dope. Uh, I'm glad yeah. that both the schools at least could could um, could mend the differences and point out and collaborate and point out the fact that Jay's been playing at both schools. You know, he really showed out at Oklahoma. That's the, his coming out party was at Oklahoma because of the development, you know, to the old regime and Lincoln Riley being a really good quarterback whisperer, but. Uh, I mean, I saw the, the video from Nick, Nick Saban really telling him, like, hey, man, I know you really want to go to Maryland, but mm-hmm. you, you're better served going to Oklahoma. They develop quarterbacks. Go there. They will get you the pocket presence ability that you need and the ability to read the defenses you need to get better for the next level. And sure enough, it showed up. And so uh, you got him and Lane Johnson. And then the Eagles got a few players, like we talked about in the green room, that actually uh, are on the practice squad from Kennedy Brooks and Grant Calcaterra. I didn't realize Calcaterra was still playing, so I appreciate you telling me that information. Yeah. Um, it's great and, to see that he was out there. And Tyrese Robinson off this last Sooner team, uh, the, uh, the the last Lincoln Riley team, so he's on the practice squad too. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, when it breaks down to it, you've got nine, nine Sooners, and, uh, again, just – even though this isn't, um, you know, four or five guys in the first round type of a year, uh, more guys are going to continue to find roster spots, and you're going to mm-hmm. see more and more. And and it and it's and it's again, we're still even though the recruiting has been not as terrific, um, or some of the uh, turnouts of the uh, twenty uh, the eight twenty eighteen twenty nineteen twenty twenty classes, um, we're still seeing guys make it. So it, it's it's good to see. Yeah. Guys. like. Like James Winchester is probably the best long snapper. Uh, you know, Creed, Lane, and Orlando, um, they're uh, 
pro football Focus's uh, top 10 offensive linemen of, for the year. So that's uh, three mm -hmm. Sooners right there. And uh, I mean, that that's something that's 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 pretty that's pretty neat. And again, you know, I, you said maybe the best center in the league. I think number two, if it's Creed, number two is uh, is Jason Kelsey and uh, who's <laughs> on the uh, who's on the Eagles. So it was it was really it was really good game. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, same. Agreed. And then, you know, if you want to talk linemen to go with that group of them, you go big Trent Williams. Um, you know, he's out there mm -hmm. as a. Uh, the uh, the monster in the NFL that throws people down like crazy, but uh, of course, as soon as went ahead and bought a final billboard, sending out the shout out to the champions that were on the roster. Congratulations to our Sooners with the Jordan logo and everything. That's awesome. or whatnot. And so, yeah, super dope. What Oklahoma did for their people tells and shows exactly what uh, this program is. And so, overall, like I said Super Bowl was fun. It was a good time. I'm so glad that these Sooners were able to get out there and really show out. And so let's jump over into the next thing, man. We've got the schedule came out. And so talked about this in a video a while back and I was telling you all that with the new schedule, the Big 12 finally released the schedule and we've got who Oklahoma's going to play, who Oklahoma's got. And I'm ready to really sit down here and talk about who I think we're going to beat and who we ain't. So Cool. You got to look at that schedule, right? How, how do you feel on the first glance before we jump into game by game? First glance, how did you feel about that? Uh, you know, in I believe it's Avengers when uh, Black Widow finds Hawkeye and he's turned into this massive killer. And she says, there's a chance we can bring them all back. And he says, don't you give me hope. Uh, when I look at this, <laughs> when I look at this, there's 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 two ways I see this. Number one, um, I mean, if I was a ticket ticket buyer or or you know if I had season tickets and I was paying for that home lineup, woof, uh, you know that's pretty. It's a pretty bad home lineup. But this would be the last time that it's this much of a joke. Uh, you know, again, this is a a middle finger to the Big Twelve on the way out the door. I think given uh, you know they don't want us to you know take that ticket price. We are a big draw wherever anybody goes. I promise you that, um, you know, that's great for Tulsa, but Cincinnati, hey, listen, you know, we're going to Cincinnati and BYU, two newcomers get OU. Um, what, uh, what, what opponent draws like in Oklahoma that Cincinnati has played here recently? I, I, I don't, I don't think anybody. Uh, BYU is a different story because they do, uh, they do uh, attract some, some bigger marquee games, but, uh, all in all, um, when you as a season ticket holder, uh, not so much. But when I look at this and I just try to wrap my heads around, um, we don't have Baylor, who we lost to, and I expect them to be good this year. Um, we don't have um, who is it? T uh, we have Kansas State. T can't no Kansas State. Um, and again, Kansas State's been a bitch for us for years and for you since the up. last time. The last time that we really dropped it on Kansas State was when we unveiled the bulldozer, belldozer. Um, we yep. came out, we lost to Texas, we come out with the belldozer, and I think what well, it was like fifty-five to nothing or something like that. That's the last time that we really well handled Kansas State at home or on the road. But uh, Jay, I'm not crazy. This is a, this is a very very winnable schedule. Um, I don't. Cincinnati is going to be ultra depleted. They're going to have tons of transfers, a lot of draft people, um, new coaching staff, new regime coming in. Iowa State, 
I think that they're going to surprise people a little bit, but we get them at home. Um, I'm not one that thinks that Texas um, is better. I think they're more of the same this year. Um, and then, and then Oklahoma state like that, what does that roster look like? You look at TCU, they lost everything, <laughs> you know, they lost absolutely everything. Um, they've got some talent transferred in. They've got a lot of former five stars from Bama that came in. But uh, I mean, as this, if somebody came to me and was like, I think the Oklahoma is going to go undefeated, uh, in 2023, uh, I would not make them argue very long, uh, on why, because I, I don't know if I can disagree with them. No, I agree with you on that one. In looking at the schedule, initial thoughts, talked about this, is Oklahoma leaves the state three times this season. Yeah. Three times. And and we only can we the, the fourth time we consider that the southern part of Oklahoma. That is Dallas, Oklahoma. That is not yeah. Dallas, Texas. So there's no reason to yeah. even really say it's not. But going to Cincinnati, going to Kansas, to Lawrence, Kansas, and then traveling up to BYU. That's it. Keeping it a buck. Oklahoma, Texas got pretty favorable schedules. I mean, Texas is a little bit tougher. They've got some work in there outside of Alabama, which they scheduled on their own. Uh, you know, playing yeah. against Baylor, going up against Tech, um, having traveling to Iowa State, you know, traveling to TCU, but they leave the state of Texas twice next season. Every other game is within the state of Texas for them. So it's not that bad of traveling for them either. It's it's really yeah. it's truly favorable. And so we get we both get the newcomers. I think, let me see, yeah, they get two of the newcomers. We get three of them. So we get Cincinnati, UCF, and then BYU traveling okay. on those. And so my initial really was there is a path to no more than one loss. There's a path to two yeah. losses, and that's it. And that's and that's with the and again it's going unspoken, but that's with the the addition of the transfers, the addition by subtraction, and then another year in the system, and that's progress happening. Um, yep, we 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 saw uh, you know in those last couple games, the Oklahoma State game, the Tech game, the bowl game, you saw these glimpses, and um, you know in, in hearing some of these uh, other podcasts with. Coach Levy and, and Coach V and just kind of the the what do you expect coming into the next year? Every single one of them is settling in. It, it was settling in, and it was not only a physical toil and tra- and drain on these these kids last year. Uh, it was it was more a mental drain. You just turned everything yeah. that they've ever been used to upside down, and you put a pressure because again, it's a you know, if, if you owe your allegiance to someone who's soft and someone who just doesn't stick by their principles and everything like that, if you break it or if they break it, you're like, meh, whatever. But like Brent makes you want to run through a wall. And I think that does take a toll on some of these kids is not wanting to let him down week after week after week after week after week. Because you're not only, you know, stepping up into it's your turn. Uh, to be one of the sooner great teams, but you're also, you know, you also are taking part of this new story. Um, so all of that blathering aside, um, I just, Jay, I, I just see the defense taking major leaps. 
I see with yeah. Jared Can- uh, Canick coming in. Um, I think that uh, obviously uh, there's a lot of stuff about six uh, five Desan McCullough sliding in at Cheetah and just turning into a nightmare for people. Um, we've got the defensive end help uh, between uh, Joe Both Bothroyd out of uh, is it Wake Forest and yeah Rondell uh, Bothroyd yeah yeah and, and then Trace Ford coming in and yep. uh, PJ Adabare coming in and then obviously another year Devon Sears um, on the defensive tackle yeah. yeah. So you just look at that, and then oh, I'm going to say something out loud, and you tell me if you if I don't if you understand don't understand the dialect that I'm using. Um, it, it's 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 an ancient dialect, but I'm going to say it. The Sooners are going to be good in the secondary. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm going to be honest with you when you say that we weren't bad at the secondary last season. No, our problem was just inconsistency at the line where. We were leaving our secondary out there for seven and eight second yeah. spans, and they were getting cooked at that point. The secondary actually played really good. They were stopping no. early quick passes. They were playing good. And so, no, I am totally with you on that ancient dialect. I couldn't believe that I was even saying the same thing you know, I was when I was talking about it. Like, wait a minute. We actually didn't play bad in the secondary last season, and we're getting a lot of them back. Like, I mean, with he- Billy Bowman out there, oh, I can't wait. We're going to break down the, the the position groups. I've already started working on putting this up together. I'm thinking the 1st of March, we will put together content around just the position groups. And so be prepared for that uh, on YouTube as well as we're probably going to do that live on YouTube as well as uh, listening here on the podcast. And so, Coop, let's look at the games. So I built the schedule out here. Made my own little graphic, talk about each game. Let's jump into each game real quick and give ourselves a dub or an L and see how we feel about it. And so, first off, I'm going to go ahead and go through the first three games. We'll make it quick. We should start the season off 3-0. Any objections? No, because you see Arkansas State that we don't even need to go there. SMU isn't the rollover it once was, but it's going to be a W. And then that Tulsa game is going to be a home game. I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked because all I got is a 15 minute drive to get down to campus. And, uh, and, and yeah, so jealous. The last, the last two games I saw it at Tulsa were Oklahoma State losses. So, uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, the last two OU games I saw were, were stompings. And so, yeah, it's three and zero. Yeah, I, could, I, I agree. That that is, we'll we'll just skip those first three. Boom, that's a dub, dub, dub. We'll go into that. All right, from there. From there, this is where the work comes in. We're traveling to Cincinnati. Now, my thoughts on the Cincinnati game is they have the regime change. Luke Fickle's gone. They start to see a lot of recruits disappear. Dave McCullough is one of them that we got to flip from Cincinnati to come here to Oklahoma. And so because of that, I can definitely see us walking into their house and walking out with a W. What's your thoughts on that one? It's, yeah, I mean... You've got um, more. I mean, it, Luke Fickle is a good coach, and watch out in here about three years because you're going to see Wisconsin take that step that they've been unable to te- uh, take. With uh, you know, they've always been labeled as a uh, as a slow team. You had a bunch of corn fed, big old boys on the offensive line and defensive line, and outside of that, it's just lack of talent. Um, that's not going to be the case. Luke Fickle's a good coach. Now, what does that mean for Cincinnati? Um, there's not too many people in Cincinnati that were too fired up about 
the, their new coach and with all the transfers out. I mean, this is a game that, you know, it, it, you, you picture with the progress that we expect from OU, you expect them to go up there, have a nice 21-7 lead or something like that at halftime, and then let's start rolling in new kids because it's our last non-conference game and they need to get some playing time. Yeah, I mean, I can totally see that. Cincinnati feels like they'll give a little bit of a fight, but with them trying to figure out what they're going to do, I can I see this one as a win. So back-to-back road wins is what I expect. So start the season off 4-0. And then we wrap up the, the month of September with the Hawk, the Cyclones, the Iowa State Cyclones coming to town. I almost said Hawkeyes. Cyclones coming to town. Um, I don't – I'm not feeling Deckard. I'm not feeling their quarterback. I haven't. I don't think that he's bad. But I don't think that he's great. Um, that defense should still be stingy. Iowa State's always got a stingy defense. Matt Campbell knows how to put together a defense. They're they're consistently the top defense in the Big 12. So because of that, I think we go and just run it down their throat. I'm calling this one as a W as well. I say we start season 5-0. and What you got? Yeah, I mean, you, lo- <clears throat> you lose Hutchinson. Um, you know, it, it, that's an all-Big 12 receiver for a couple years in a row now. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the, the, the big D-E-D tackle uh, that they've got uh, just slipping my mind at the moment. But, uh, you know, he's gone to uh, – yeah, this is – now this is probably a team that Matt Campbell actually um, – actually probably overachieves with if I'm, if I'm being honest, but it's at home and rolling in four and Oh, you have the home crowd there. That's probably the first really great weather game that, that, uh, that the fans have. So uh, it'll probably mm-hmm. be at 11 o'clock because I don't expect us to not have an 11 o'clock game uh, all season long because, uh, because the nice little see out the door, but again, I do. Um, it produces for Fox. They don't really care what we want. But uh, we, I think we start five zero. No, I'm with you. And Will McDonald is uh, who you're mentioning. Will yeah, McDonald the yeah. fourth. He's not. Yeah, he's gone. Then you got Xavier Hutchinson. Which the way this is looking, man, they've got two players. I mean, ranked in the top 100. Two goodness. And then MJ Anderson, which isn't bad. Yeah, that defense is just. It's just just too much talent, and it's too terrifying i guess you could say from that and so yeah i see that one as a dub that ends it we're good to go all right now this is when things get tough red river first the the second road slash neutral site game of the season ou tries to avenge the 49 to 0 game against texas i'm gonna let you lead this one how you feeling on this game um quinn ewers was underwhelming and this is going to be okay. So Texas starts off Rice, Alabama, Wyoming, who likes to play some offense. Um, then they come come back into Texas and go to uh, to Baylor, Kansas at home, then Oklahoma, then at Houston. That there's going to be some mental pressure on the Texas Longhorns. Here's where I'm thinking: the best player on their team was Bijan Robinson. He's gone. Um, and so they're going to be, you know, they got a transfer. They've got a couple of young guys um, that, you know, the young guys get turned into men during this game. And uh, so, I mean, I think their offensive lines will be a little bit better. I think their wide receiver room has a lot of potential. Um, but again, wide receivers can't catch balls that go 10 yards over their head. 
And so um, we're going to put some pressure on Quinn Ewers. This is going to be a different situation. Um, I wonder what the Texas mentality is. You know, the, from their fan base, you don't see any, um, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they don't, they don't read the temperature of the room very well. Um, and they, they're, they're, they're holding that 49 O over a lot of OU fans. And, uh, I wonder what the Texas guys know, because again, you, you didn't have to, you know, if you've played football at this, le- I mean, for this long and you've gotten to this level and you see Davis Bevel running out there at quarterback and you know, right from the get go that they're not doing anything to us, you, you play really, really well. So, and you get very, very confident. So what happens here if they come in potentially with two losses already coming into the Red River rivalry? Um, Mm -hmm. So I, here, here, here's what, here's my say is I don't believe that the backfield is going to be settled. And I don't believe that um, Quinn Ewers progress is going to be, uh, is going to be positive. I think that, um, I think that OU comes back and has a, a lot of reasons for vengeance. Okay, okay, I'm gonna gonna I'm gonna stick with that as well. I see. I'm curious to see what Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue do at the run game, and if by that time comes up, if we start seeing some Cedric Baxter uh, get some run because he's a monstrous running back recruit. You know, as a freshman, yeah. I don't know if as a true freshman they're going to really play him, but I think Jonathan Brooks has probably got that position sold up. We'll see what it looks like after the spring game for Texas. But, yeah, yeah. I'm not – nobody's very much impressed with Quinn Ewers. The question with him is going to be how is he going to handle the pressure with Arch Manning behind him exactly. and how – if the boosters are going to do something to ruin this setup. Texas actually has a good setup. They should be able to compete over the next couple of years with it. Unless the boosters force a, a freshman Arch Manning on the football field, and we don't think that that's a good idea year one. Next year might be a different story, but this year you gotta let the let the freshman just chill at the collegiate level. Um, if you want to get the double digit wins, no problem. But because of that and the embarrassment and stank of a forty nine and O game, I think Oklahoma goes out there and kicks some butt. I, I think that it's going to be one of the old school. I think it's going to be one of the games similar to what we had back in the last five with uh, the Riley regime. And it's going to be one of those close, wild games, 30, 38, 35, 46, 40. Yeah. Nobody's going to really play defense. It's going to be all offense. But I think in this one, it will be more defense than anything as Venables and staff decides that they're going to clamp down defensively and cause problems. I think Oklahoma goes ahead and hits six, six to zero. Yeah, I do too. I want. I want to say that. I want to say that Venables is going to have this one circled, and he's going to want absolute perfection from the defensive side of the ball uh, to make up for that last year. Agree. I 100% agree. All right, we got the bye week. All right, who do you think wins that one? Uh, this might be the toughest matchup we have for the next three is the, is the bye week. I agree. This is one of those weeks where you have to recognize that um, sleep is the cousin of death. Sometimes, you know, you get too much rest, you might not make it. So uh, hopefully they're prepared for it, but that, they should be fine. This is a dub for us. We'll get that uh, that bye week win. It doesn't count on the, the uh, board, but this will be the week that they prepare beautifully for three games, as you, as you mentioned, could be – 
the easiest stretch, but I think there's going to be a challenge here. First off, UCF coming to town. Uh, hey, man, Malzone's been doing some work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has. There, and, you know, and I believe you have to check my math and my, my, my studies on this one, but I think UCF has the, is it the largest student body in the nation for college yes. football, uh, program? And they, it's in Florida. So, I mean, you have an amazing, uh, you know, uh, crop of talent out there. And there's a lot of guys out there who now see UCF as something, you know, pretty legitimate. If you're not getting the looks from Miami or Florida State or the Gators, um, then you're going to go to UCF with a chip on your shoulder. And uh, Dylan Gabriel came from UCF. That's where he was under Levy and Josh Heupel. Um, so uh, that that being said, um, I, I see the talent gap as too much here. I just don't. I mean, it's it's at home. If if we were going out there, uh, because God, it is a godforsaken uh, place. Uh, but um, yeah, it, we have them at home. I know a lot of people are happy that we may never have to travel to UCF. Yeah. So I, I think that, um, yeah, I'm glad that we're not traveling out there. Even though I would have tried traveled out to that game, um, going into the bowl game in Orlando is always fun. And going to a game UCF would be probably pretty cool. Um, I would definitely be interested in going out there. But outside of that, I do believe that um, – this is going to be a lot tougher than people realize. The only thing good for Oklahoma on this one is it's coming after a bye week. So it's going to be yeah. an opportunity to really, um, yeah, walk in and be ready to go. So I think OU wins this one. Start the season off with, oh, God, seven wins. I don't hate – I hate thinking undefeated <laughs> this far. I I don't like it. Um I was going to say the Texas game was going to be another loss, but it's Texas. And I just can't give them the satisfaction of actually saying it out loud. So Kansas, traveling to Kansas. Jalen Daniels is back. He'll be healthy. I mean, you mentioned this one being an easy one. I'm concerned. This, there's a game I'm concerned about. It's this one. Uh, here, Here's why I'm not. Best case scenario for Kansas fans, this is going to be a 50-50 home crowd. Um, OU is going to travel up to Lawrence. Um, you know, that's four hours from here. And, uh, you know, this is, this is uh, where, where I played college ball. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, that defense was, 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 I mean, made our defense look like the steel curtain there, that Kansas defense. They just, I mean, that's, uh, middle that, you know, this late in the season, you've got plenty of film. They've, they're going to, I just, Man, I just don't see anything outside of a blowout on this. I mean, I, I mean, this may be something to where, you know, Jalen Daniels, you know, runs for two touchdowns and throws for two touchdowns, but we still win like 62-28. Okay. No, uh, okay. I'm, I'm, a be, I, I, I'm not even going to be mad at you on that one. Um, I wonder how they do against Illinois and then BYU at the crib. If those games go well for Kansas, I'm going to be concerned about playing against them uh, because I think they'll beat Texas in Texas this year. Uh, but if those two games don't go well, then I'm with you. I think it's going to be a blowout and it shouldn't be too hard. It's still going to be dependent on what our defense looks like up to the Texas game. The defense is going to be the most critical part here for Oklahoma. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be the intriguing one from there. So, all right. 
Then we've got to start November. We get the four game stretch in November as we start to get a little chilly. Travel for the last bedlam for the foreseeable future. Yeah, this is going to be a blowout. I'm actually, I'm going to be honest. I can see 77 to nothing, like the, the Texas A&M game. I can see it. O-State lost so many players. Even though Gundy does a fantastic job of coaching up the players that he gets, they were gutted. People were trying to figure out they were going to have a roster next year. Kidding. But still, they lost a lot of key players and a lot of key contributors. I think this is a blowout. It's- if there's a blowout in the season, that's the blowout. It's, I mean, this is just not going to be competitive at this point. I mean, if, if there's any year that, I mean, outside of the uh, Brandon Whedon year uh, to where, you know, was it Broyles goes down, tears his ACL, Landry Jones could do one thing all year and that was throw it to Ryan Broyles. He goes down, they stomp us. That's probably the uh, that year and then last year were the two times where OSU really had everything in front of them, and and we we embarrassed them. Uh, this just I don't see how this can be competitive. I, Bowman was a guy who couldn't hack it at Tech, uh, had some injury issues, uh, transferred, um, couldn't play. Now he's transferring back here. I, is it better than? what they had on campus. Yeah, it was, but that tells you how bad stuff was on campus. Um, you know, we, we, we always point out, uh, Davis Bevel, but I'm not sure it was much better over in Stillwater. Um, but you take that, you take, uh, you know, they already shelled, uh, you know, the defensive coordinator. I know that he's leaving for personal issues, but, um, I mean, they were done with him. Um, I think that smoke screen of a really, really good Oklahoma state defense, came because of Malcolm Rodriguez and a bunch of fifth and sixth year guys that had been in the same system for a long time and played a ton of football together and no knew doubt. how to play, play sound discipline football. And, um, and, and again, that that's, I mean, that's why they were deemed good, but I mean, there were games that that, that defense was given up, you know, a, to a bad OU team with Lincoln Riley halfway out the door, still gave up 30 plus points. So, yeah. um, yeah, th- I mean, this one's just going to – I mean, it, if this was in Norman, it, it would be even worse. But, I mean, yeah, this – I mean, I, I'm not going to go 77 to nothing. But, you know, if, if this is a 44 to 10 game, you know, it, I, that's – I mean, I would say that OSU did a good job at that point. I'm with you on that one. Um, okay. West Virginia coming to the crib. We avenged that loss. That's the loss that we've got to get back. We should have never lost that game. And the good thing is, is they're coming to our crib. Now, I'm a little nervous about uh, Garrett Green. I like him a lot. I did too. He's a gamer. And he's going to be a concern for next season because he's got the starting job. It's his job now. JT Daniels is transferred for the fourth time. Uh, so that tells you that, yeah, Garrett's going to go out there. He's going to cook. So I, I don't know what that game looks like, but I do know that what's going to look like on the scoreboard is win by the Sooners, which leads them to be undefeated going up against BYU. What's your thoughts on this game real quick? Yeah, so, I mean, if you held a gun to my head and you said, hey, listen, you have to pick a loss somewhere, why and why, why West Virginia? Uh, I think it's a trap game. You come off the Oklahoma State game, um, you have that BYU road trip on, on the schedule, and maybe you just lose focus. Um, but I mean, th- if this was in, 
in, in, in uh, Morgantown. I, I would be picking this as the upset alert game. Since it's in Norman, I, th- I mean, I think this is one of those classics where we stop like a two-point conversion at the end of the game to win the game or something like that. Like, uh, <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be one of the games where you're going to see a lot of, you know, headset and hat throwing by Brent Venables because we're just doing dumb stuff or, you know, giving up third and 18 a couple times. I think it rears its ugly head before we go to BYU. But, uh, I, I mean, a- again, this is this is a trap game. I'll still go with OU. Uh, like I said, I, it's why are you giving me hope? Because as I look to the next two games, I mean, I just, I just, I feel really good about this schedule. <laughs> I, I do. Hey, the schedule's favorable, man. I'm telling you, that's, that's that was the thing that jumped out to me, especially as I digested a few a couple weeks later. It's so favorable, and yeah, this could be a trap game. I didn't call it a trap because it's in Norman this time. If it was on the road, yeah. I would have been concerned. Like. The the, yeah. the the there's the the two track games I see on this schedule are West Virginia and Iowa State. But the luck the luck of the draw is they're at home this year. Mm-hmm. If those were road games, they're 100 percent traps because Iowa State being right before the Texas game that's a trap. Um, and then the West Virginia game being right before traveling to BYU that's a trap. Now we going into the BYU game. I think that's our first loss of the season. High altitude in Utah, beautiful weather, yet cold, weird environment, weird vibes. I think that that's the game. If any of them that Oklahoma loses, it's going to be the BYU. I mean, I could see that. Um, BYU has been a team here recently that has had more success, you know, earlier in the season and then, you know, some ups and downs towards the end of the season. It seems like they've always had a quarterback – They've always got a quarterback that is playing lights out and then gets injured at like game six or seven. Um, and, and so like Taysom Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Taysom Hill. I mean, like I like every single BYU quarterback has played in 11 different seasons, uh, but due to missions and uh, medical red shirts and stuff like that, they uh, they've never played a full season. So, um, but yeah, going up there, if this was, I mean, if this was 11, four, uh, this might be a game to where you want to actually make the route um, because I mean this that stadium is gorgeous. Um, the only thing I can see here is uh, OU going up there. I mean, this is going to be big for. Uh, I mean, it's going to be big for BYU and their entire fan base and everything is an OU coming in. And how can we show them? You know, because they don't have that built-in Big Twelve hatred for us or anything like that, but. Um, you know, to show out against OU probably on a nationally televised game is going to be something that yep. you know, they're going to relish. And so is, uh, is it a they loss? Keep the winning streak I mean, going. Maybe, you know. maybe it's a, maybe it's a tough game. Um, I think that the turnaround, uh, the six day turnaround until TCU on black Friday is going to be a little, uh, a, a little crappy. I, I would say that, um, Watch. I see that. I see that. This. I see the next game, the TCU game. I see them getting that move to a Saturday. Yeah, and so like for me, like BYU, you gotta remember that Oklahoma's never beat BYU before. Last time we played them, they took out Sam Bradford at uh, Jerry Circus. Jerry, uh, the first, yeah, at the first, uh, the first game of that of stadium being opened. I was there watching yeah. Sam lay on the ground with a messed up shoulder. I'm just like, oh crap. This is terrible. And it was their silver anniversary, 25 years since they had won their national championship. 
So, yeah, it was extremely weird, and I was extremely heartbroken watching that loss on a very promising season. And so, because of that, I'm nervous about BYU winning this one because they've never lost to Oklahoma before. I think it's yeah. they're 2-0 in their career. And that's where my concern comes in. And then, of course, this is the perfect trap game in preparation for the TCU game on that Friday night that you just made mention of. So we go right into that game. I don't think I think Oklahoma beats. I think we beat TCU. I think the TCU game is a game that we win. It's on a it's on Black Friday, which is really weird to me. This is probably sounds like the, this is the first time I think we played a Friday night Black Friday game since what the Nebraska games back when Nebraska was in the conference. So, so if that's the case, that's what like fifteen years roughly. I mm-hmm. it's weird that that game's going to be a six-day turnaround after a trip to Provo like that. And seeing that TCU, the week before playing against Oklahoma, they have Baylor at the crib. Um, Yeah, they, they, they're not, they, they travel up to Waco for a little bit, and then they travel up to Norman. And so that one's going to be a tough one. I see BYU as a trap, but I think the recovery is going to be TCU. So... I think they beat TCU. I think Chandler Morris is going to go out there and do his thing. I just don't think he's as good as everybody's trying to make him out to be. I I, I just don't. No. Um, and, again, Quentin Johnson is, uh, at this point, it's going to be on an NFL roster. Um, Kendra Miller is a junior. I can't remember if he is coming back or not. Um, but, I mean, they just don't have much behind him. Again, they've got a lot of transfers coming in, and this is – Last game of the season, so you know maybe they've got more talent. But again, they come to OU. This is a revenge factor. They they knocked out uh, another quarterback. Uh, but um, you know this is this is one to where um, I think that OU wraps it up. I think OU is going to have the Big Twelve um, uh, the Big Twelve championship uh, seed you know locked up before this. But I mean this mm-hmm. is a this is a chance to you know really just put the finishing touches on the revenge tour. Um, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't get Baylor and you don't get K state, but, um, you know, you get to take a, you know, you get to take a swing at a lot of these guys and Max Duggan and TCU. I mean, uh, again, kudos to Sonny Dykes and everything that, uh, they did, but I mean, they were, they made it, they made some kind of deal at the beginning of the season because they skirted by in so many scenarios and, uh, again, I missed shooting a deer uh, because of that stinking uh, timeout on the the last second field goal. So um, we'll see. I mean, you know, this is a this is a little bit of beat. If we're sitting here going to TCU game undefeated, um, you know, there's that's something that everybody's every single person on that staff is going to is going to you know want because what does it mean? Uh, on our farewell tour in the Big Twelve, we we uh, we ran we ran shop. So um, then you go into the Big Twelve championship game. I mean, I know that we're not making picks or anything like that yet, but uh, you know, I think that the 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 watch out people are are still going to be Baylor um, uh, or maybe even K State. And uh, again, K State loses quite a bit too. So fair point. I don't see this one. I, I said I think this was a win, and so if there's two losses I would give, it would be 
Texas and BYU. If I had to do two losses, it'd be Texas and BYU. The games I feel like would be the ones that we would take the L on. Um, but I see one loss, and that one loss is a real game to BYU. What about you? I mean, again, I, I say I say that, you know, if you had to pick it, I would say either one of those games between West Virginia or BYU. Um, I just, I mean, again, it's, 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 it's if you're making me. I just literally yeah. I gotta do, make you. I gotta twist that arm. You gotta give me one lock. Devil's just advocate. to be fair. I can't devil's advocate. Uh, I'll, I'll go. It's with true. West the devil don't need an advocate. You're right. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go with West Virginia. I, I feel like that's a game to where you've got a couple mm. of uh, emotional, uh, a little emotional sandwich uh, between um, you know OSU for mm. the last bedlam out, at, at their place. Uh, their fans are probably going to be going crazy. And, uh, you know, you're going to have a little bit of a battle for about seven minutes and then uh, we're going to walk away. All right. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. All right. Let's move into the next part. OU Texas SEC. So we got the official announcement. We've talked about it. OU and Texas will be leaving in 2024. The more details have come out fully. So instead of paying to leave, they're just going to forego revenue uh, at the totals of $50 million each. So $100 million is going back to the pockets or will stay in the pockets of the Big 12 as well as the TV partners. So, Coop, how do you feel about uh, the Sooners making this move early? And do you think it was a good idea? Um, okay. So last year we have a 6-7 and seven record in the Big 12. If we had a six and seven record in the SEC, it's a different it's a different look. Yeah, the eye test, everything, all everything, all that's different. Um, I think that this is good, and, and here's why: is that ESPN um, SEC contract starts next year, and to be part of that very first one, it was important to it was important for ESPN ABC to um, to to you know not let the big 10 start their new deal at, you know, first and get a whole year in with this new deal. And, and um, so is it better for the program if we had one more uh, year in the big 12? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's better for the program just overall, like getting your, you know, uh, I mean, that's playing another Arkansas state if you, if you will, but um, this is, this is good. I think revenue wise, it's good. I think that uh, at this point, Brent has, um, a, a good amount of what I would be saying here is uh, a good amount of culture built in. He's going to have three years of culture, you know, ingrained by the time we kick off the first SEC game. So um, I like it. Um, this had a lot to do with revenue and a lot to do with money uh, because again, with Fox letting OU out of one year, um, that's a lot of eyeballs. That's a lot of TV revenue and that's a lot of money. And um, that that that's that's a big deal. But again, um, it's going to be more money over there uh, at the uh, SEC. So um, I'm I'm for it. I'm glad it's over. Um, it literally was uh, it literally was one of the biggest you know chasing around um, you know between Brett Yormark and uh, OU in Texas. You know that you know the schedule being announced and OU in Texas. Neither are there university accounts like retweeting it no graphics no anything like that and then for them to say hey it's all completely done the moment they said that i said it's about to happen it's going to happen within the next two or three weeks the moment they said that all talks were off 
um, I knew that was kind of like a, you know, a coach negotiating or a, a player negotiating a contract. That was just a, a publicity move. Okay. Um, I like the idea of going early. I think the teams will be ready. I think both teams will be. The recruiting classes are there. They're already making top five recruiting classes. That's what you need to compete in the SEC. I don't care what anybody says. As long as you've got the top recruiting classes, you're going to compete with everybody else in the conference. Uh, the coaching is also key, and I think, honestly, you know, I think both have good coaching. I think the only problem that Texas is going to have is is that hopefully the boosters let Sarkeesian do his job. But we'll see how long that goes. If he's if he ends up being the seven win Sark like he's traditionally been, that could be a problem where he will lose his job. But if not, they could be competing on a, cons- a consistent basis in the eight, nine, ten, ten realm. But I think we both have the coaches that's needed to be successful in the SEC, and I think it's going to be fine. So. I like the move now. Um, give the Big 12 one last year. Let them revert back to the Big 12 instead of the Big 14. And, uh, yeah, let's move on forward. And so let's wrap it up. Recruits, put a bow on it. What you hearing? What are you seeing and hearing out there in them streets, Coop? So, again, you know, it, there, was a, there was a plea for patience last year because um, as soon as – uh, Brent Venables uh, was hired and, you know, a lot of people were talking about, you know, Jeff Levy, uh, Jeff Levy came in, uh, you know, in January last year. So, I mean, like he just surpassed his first entire year here, but uh, last year at this time, it was, it was, it was decommitments. And I think that we may have had one or two commitments. And then you saw in the, um, you know, May, June, July, it just, it took off. So, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that there are several people that are um, um, that are definitely right at the cusp. I know that there's uh, with Mike, Michael Hawkins, the quarterback, um, previously out of Allen, and now he has transferred. But he is, um, um, you know, he is he's a raw quarterback. He's a sooner sooner legacy. Uh, I think that if he uh, does make the Sooners call. You know, that's really, really good because you've got a quarterback in the class, but he's the first one. He's that first domino. Um, they got the flowers, the defensive back. He is, uh, he is a guy who has a lot of crystal balls in, and so he, he might be another piece. And then you get into mm. um, you get into some names like Stacy Gage, uh, four-star running back out of St. Thomas Aquinas um, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, he's got Oklahoma ties. Uh, Michael Patterson-McDonald. Uh, he is a uh, Westmore guy, defensive back, 5'11", 175, has the the, the, um, the friendship ties to David Stone, the big uh, defensive tackle, who's now a five-star defensive tackle. So um, he, here, here's what I'm going to say, because we could go into a lot of these deals, but here's what I'm, is what I'm seeing is we are literally going to be going through pick after pick after pick, and, and uh, Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates – are going to have so many options when it comes to defensive end, athletic stand-up defensive end, outside linebackers. They are in on a lot of guys, and they are all super, super talented. And Oklahoma, as a state, has a pretty decent crop of high school uh, uh, seniors coming in. So for that twenty-four class, so um, it, you know it's going to pop soon. You're probably going to see a Flowers or a Patterson McDonald. Um, or maybe a Hawkins come here before too long. Um, but uh, when it's all said and done, I mean, I think that this is another class that rivals this year's class. I don't think it ends up 
um, because we won't have the five-star quarterback. Um, I don't think it ends up as high as a number, you know, three to five, but I mean, I still think it is a, you know, five to seven type of a class for this year. Yeah. That's that I'm, I'm, I am, I am a little worried on it being in the five to seven range. I think this class needs to be top three. And I say that because as the move goes into the SEC, if you want to truly compete, compete, you gotta, you gotta really jump big into uh, getting some of the top players from the backyards of these top schools. And you're going to need a top. Yeah. You're going to need a top probably uh three class to really show that you're a threat. And so I see that Sammy Brown, the linebacker, five-star linebacker out of Georgia, I talked about him over the weekend. He's got one visit, so Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. him coming to Oklahoma as his only spring visit so far, he's already visited Clemson a bunch. He's been at Georgia a bunch. He's there for the national championship. He hung out at Clemson uh, at their junior day or whatnot. If they can snatch him up, get him in yeah. town, bow That's huge. Yeah, and so yeah, that's a big one for for Coach Venables to put a stamp out there. He's the main guy recruiting him, and Venables is the linebacker guy. He hasn't really brought in a not saying he hasn't brought in talented ones. I think every single one we've got is going to have a tendency of being monstrous, but bringing in one with big name, big notoriety at the top of the class will do nothing but propel him long term yeah and you've got um so you've got nigel smith also is a big defensive uh defensive end is probably going to end up as a uh five-star defensive end um you're gonna where i where i agree with you tremendously is we need difference makers on the lines um you know the offensive line and we need to see the defensive tackle um you know uh that position group get stronger um because again that's where you have to get them on the recruiting cycle, or you have to develop the hell out of somebody because here's what happens. If you are a top flight defensive tackle, you don't leave because if you're a top flight defensive tackle, if you're at Kent state or uh, Roy Kent state, it does not matter. You are going to get found and you're going to go high in the NFL draft. Um, So, and Bill Biedenboe really, has got some, um, you know, got some things to do too, because, um, I mean, again, we've got, uh, almost no, um, you know, offensive linemen right now that were guys that he recruited and that they've developed and they've turned into studs. Um, you know, we, that guys, we don't have any of those on the offensive line right now. Um, you know, he, you saw the, uh, the more trophy, uh, award offensive line. And then we've seen some guys just not turn into much. Uh, so we need to see it proof on the field. And that's another thing is I, I don't think that this season, um, if we do throw up a one loss or, you know, even a two loss, that's going to help significantly. If we run out another eight and five or something like that, then you're going to see that recruiting class. It, then it's going to be hard to hold on to a top 10 class because it's, kind of hard to point towards um progress and direction but again 
the one thing that we keep on doing is underestimating the relationship and the uh, and, and the the connection that Brent Venables and the staff continue to make with recruits. So I, yeah. I, I do I do want to see the difference makers. If we end up at number six with five different makers on the line, I'm happy. That's and that's where I'm at. I want the difference makers. I, I need some players like I. I talk about the, I guess, the aesthetics behind it and having the players that that have those high rankings and just make it all look good and pretty and shiny. But overall, I'm with you, Coop. We need to just get players that are going to be competitive, ones that are going to help us to get out there and be difference makers. Uh, we need one of those. We need another freshman. I mean, we, we need another Adrian Peterson type or Gerald McCoy. I mean, David Stone could be it. I'm hearing that Stoney is 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 – there's hints out there, wink, wink, nudge, nudges – and things that he's been doing that shows that it feels like he's going to come here. Adding him with the Nigel Smith, we need guys that can potentially come out there as freshmen and really compete and help, maybe try to take somebody's job. Even though I don't think either one of them take P.J. out of Bailey's job, I do want it to look like it. Because when I see Stoney, I think about David Hicks, and, not, and I think Hicks is going to be a disturbing individual in the college ranks at A&M. Mm-hmm. I really hope that we could have snatched him up. But, you know, things don't work out the way – they work out the way they're supposed to, and unfortunately, we didn't win that battle. So, that's the show right there. Cool. Thank you so much for pulling up as usual. And everybody, thank you all for listening and watching Unfair Sports, the Sooner or Later podcast edition. Uh, while you're here, hit the like, subscribe, bell notification, as well as rate us and review us and give us five stars. And think we deserve it. Here's five anyway and gifted. And so, with that, we'll be back probably about a week or so. We're in the quiet month, so we're going to start prepping the content around the positions. We'll start talking about um, who's going to be playing what in the depth chart, as well as what veterans, what what transfers can come in and start stealing people's jobs. And, uh, and honestly, what freshmen may do it, too. So we're definitely going to dive in depth on the roster before the spring game and see what it looks like. And so with that... We will chop it up with all of you all, I don't know, in a couple of days. Peace.